I just want to talk to you about, about anger because there's a place for it and there's a place where it gets us off track. And, and we're going to look at some scriptures. I gave you a list of scriptures right there and they're also going to be on the, the screen right here too. Uh, we're going to kind of go through and just, just see what God says because anger is one of those emotions that, that if, it's, if it's handled properly, it can take us in the right direction. You know what I'm talking about? It can help us with, with our courage. It can help us with our activity and our action. It can help us. Uh, but how many know that's not where anger usually takes us? It usually takes us into more of a destruct, uh, destructive kind of behavior. It takes us into a place to where uh, it changes us not to be more like Jesus, but it changes us to be more like something else, you know. So let, let's, just, let's just address a few things here. Um, and we're not going to get to the depths of all these scriptures, but I, I give them to you in that, that handout just so you can go take them and maybe meditate on some of these kind of things. Let's go over to Matthew 5 to start our time together, our Bible study. Matthew 5, 21. Can we get over there? Now, Jesus addresses the subject of anger right here. This is in his most famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. In verse 21, Jesus speaks directly to the heart, and he says this in verse 21. You have heard that it was said of, of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, that's actually one of the top ten, right? It's one of the top ten commandments. Thou shalt not what? Thou shalt not kill. That's what Jesus is addressing. You've heard that said, and that's the right saying. But he says, I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gifts there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Let me stop right there just for a moment. So Jesus in, in the Sermon on the Mount, he does it several times. He doesn't only just address the action and the behavior of a, of a particular person. He goes straight to the heart because see, anger is not necessarily, in this case, if it comes into murder, it's an action. And if I don't do it, then I'm okay. Jesus says, no, no. Did you ever think about it? Did you, ever, did you, did you ponder it in your heart? What, what, or would you be glad if they passed away or if they died or, or, or whatever? You know, Jesus goes straight to the heart of the matter and says, I don't only want you not to kill somebody. That's kind of like normal. Don't kill anybody. I want you to have the kind of heart and the kind of character that you are not even angry in an unjust way with somebody else. Now that's a whole big deal, and that's like Jesus raises a bar. And this, this is where he says later on, he says, I want your righteousness to exceed the righteousness of the, of the Pharisees. Remember that? He said that? I want you to have a different level of righteousness that is not just based upon, uh, I'm a good guy, I'm a good person, I didn't kill anybody. And maybe you've heard people say this kind of things. If, if you've gotten out and witnessed to people and talked to people about the Lord and things of that nature, you'll hear that kind of idea come from people. Say, well, I'm a, I'm a pretty good guy. I've never robbed a bank. I've never killed anybody. People say that kind of stuff. You know, we're glad of that kind of thing, that they're, that they're an upstanding citizen. But Jesus is after something different. He doesn't only want us to be good citizens. He wants us to be people that have a different kind of heart. So Jesus goes straight to the core of the matter, and he says, actually, it starts in your heart. I don't, I don't want you to be angry with people. Okay? Now, that's, that's, that's almost impossible, because people are, are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> 
And they do things that hurt us. And I do things that have hurt other people and have done things that have hurt other people. So it's, 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 it's one of those things that, that we actually have to deal with and not let that anger roost in our heart. Now, I, some of these other passages are going to help us deal with some of the things. But Jesus wants us to be the kind of person that doesn't allow anger. I, I don't think he's saying don't be mad because some things we get mad about and it's right for us to get mad. If somebody hurts your feelings and does something very unjust to you or even worse than hurt your feelings, uh, uh, takes from you, costs you something or something of that nature, I mean, it, that's, that's a normal reaction, whether you're Christian or not, right? I mean, Jesus even had some of these reactions, didn't he? Where he turned over the, the tables in the temple and the money changers and all that kind of thing. He had that kind of reaction, but it didn't turn into sin. So what we have to do is learn to process anger. And Jesus wants to take something and, and put something of, of himself in us in such a way that our hearts change, that we're actually not stewing in our anger. Let's say it like that. He, he makes this, this statement right here that if, if you do have an issue with somebody else on whatever level it might be, and you remember your brother has something against you, there's something between you and them, Leave your gift to the, at the altar and go your way and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. It's kind of like that love God, love your neighbor, the first commandment, the second is likened to it or just as important as it. You see what I'm saying? He says, before you come and worship me, God would say, I want you to go and take care of your business and reconcile things. And, and what Jesus is saying right there, uh, do you realize if we followed this, just this few verses right here, there would be no riots there would be no uh, divorce, very little. There would be very little, you know, crimes of what we call crimes of passion, things of that nature. There, things in, in the earth would just kind of really calm down a whole lot, wouldn't it? If we just followed this prescription. Because Jesus knows that if, if you're willing to humble yourself and go and at least talk it out with another brother or sister, Another somebody, go and talk it out. Jesus knows that the vast majority, not everything will be resolved, but the vast majority of issues that were between people, if they're just addressed and talked out in a humble manner, most of them will be resolved. Do you know that? Most of the common, not all of it, but a whole lot of it. We'd have a lot less. All right? I, I, I really don't have time to, to read the, the rest, but, but Jesus addresses anger right here because he wants us not to just not kill people. <laughs> That's kind of a given. He wants us to be the kind of people that value people in such a way that you're worth me working this out and not being upset with you. Okay, so it kind of sounds like he's kind of dealing with more of a personal type anger right here. Not just, I mean, because like the things that are going on in, in the country right now and politically and all this kind of things. I mean, it, it's not like we can go call up a politician and say, "Hey, can we sit down and work this out?" We can't do that. So we must be just talking more on a, on a personal level. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there's a whole lot more there, and we'll, we'll get on that later one day when we go through the Sermon on the Mount. Now go to Luke 9, Luke chapter 9, verse 51. This has just an, always been a real interesting story to me. So Jesus is getting ready to go to Jerusalem. It says, It, it came to pass when the time had come for Jesus to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He's facing the cross. He's ready to go. And he sent some messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered into a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him or them because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. Now, if you know anything about, about history right here, uh, the Jewish people and the Samaritans, they're cousins, they're related, uh, but they're not in good relationship with each other at all. I mean, it, it really is 
a race war kind of thing. Um, something very similar to that kind of thing going on between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. And the reason is, is Samaritans, uh, they, at one point in time, they wanted to come and worship in the temple. Uh, the Jews said, no, 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 you're, 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 we consider y'all to be kind of like the Gentiles. You can't worship here. Well, there's a big faction that happened between them. So the Samaritans basically moved north and they basically built a whole worship structure that would almost rival the temple that was in Jerusalem. I've got pictures of it. I'll show them to you one day uh, where we've been able to see these kind of things. But on Mount Gerizim, remember the lady, at the woman at the well who was a Samaritan? She says on Mount Gerizim where is where our fathers said to worship. They were her Samaritan fathers. They had built a worship structure and had sacrifices much like and priesthood, much like they did in Jerusalem because they weren't allowed to go to Jerusalem. They set up their own worship. Okay, you see what I'm talking about? And they were, there was just a, there was wars, the border wars all the time going between these people. Jesus has got to go through there, going south back to Jerusalem. He's got to go through there. They stop him. Okay, they don't, they don't want him there. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? I mean, they're mad. I mean, they're taking up for Jesus. I mean, they, they, they've got what they would consider righteous indignation. You wouldn't let us come through here? Lord, let's let us call down fire. And they had a scripture verse on it. They had a scripture story on it. They said Elijah did that. Remember Mount Carmel? Called fire down from heaven on those pagans? Boom. Now, Jesus' response is really interesting. But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You don't know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Notice there's no disciple comment after that. <laughs> it kind of stopped the, the whole deal, right? What, what do you see right there? What do you see in that story? That's, that's a pretty point blank story right there. The guys went from hero to zero pretty quick, didn't they? What, what do you see? Talk, talk to me. Anybody got any comments about that? What do you see? Maybe you've heard things like people say things like this. Uh, well, speaking of some of the countries in the Middle East have given the whole world a whole bunch of trouble. Say, well, we just ought to drop a nuclear bomb on a whole bunch of them. You say that kind of thing. Or even, even some of these protesters are causing a lot of trouble. Said people, maybe some of us have said some stuff that we shouldn't say like that. Say, well, that, I think they ought to just call in the army and just wipe the whole bunch of them out. Well, that would solve one problem and create 50,000 other ones. But this is my point, not to get political, not to get all, all that direction. When we get like that and our hearts get filled with that kind of rage, Jesus has answered us, you don't know what spirit you're of. What, 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 kind of, what spirit is he talking about? Are they filled with the Holy Spirit at this point in time? No. What spirit are they under the influence of? The destroyer, right? And, and any of us right now, as red-blooded Americans, we, we get that kind of way. We're, we're not sure if all our conspiracy theories are true. We're, we're starting to believe that they are. Some of them are. We, we get, we're getting this way. But we've got to be real careful because, see, we're representatives not of, of the kingdom of God first and foremost. And as we are representatives of the kingdom of God, it makes us a better representative of America. You understand that? that, makes it, that that's, that's real important for us to remember now. And I love this land. I, I'm thankful. I, I've, I've gotten off of airplanes from places and eaten handfuls of dirt. And I'm not even joking about that. I have been so glad to be back home. 
<laughs> and when you've been tracked down by Turkish police and all kind of crazy stuff and all kind of stuff I've been, been around, you just glad to be, I mean, you, you sing Lee Greenwood, uh, our Star Spangled Banner, uh, God Bless America, you sing the whole deal. And, and I have literally picked up dirt when I got home and ate it and said, Lord, I'm just so glad to be in this country. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about, just so glad. But we, we've got to be careful. The influences on our mind, on our actions, we've got to be very, very careful. And Jesus rebukes them. He says this, the Son of Man did not come to destroy men, but to save them. Okay? Just, just remember that. That's, that. That one kind of brings me into check a lot. I have to go back and read this. this I have, during all this whole lockdown and politicians bickering and fussing and madness and stupid stuff going on and stuff that just doesn't even make sense to the common mind, to common men. I mean, it just doesn't even make sense. I have to go back and say, <laughs> what spirit are you of, son? What, what, what do you, which way are you going in this whole deal? See what I'm talking about? Now, that doesn't answer all our questions. Let's, let's get some more, more information here. Let's go to, over to James. It doesn't answer all our questions about anger, what we should do. He just basically tells us what not to do right there. All right? Go to James. And I know you're real quiet. I hope it ain't because you're getting mad. <laughs> Verse number 19 of James 1. Now, you've probably heard this one before. It says, So then, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. This is one of my favorite verses on anger and what to First of all, he says he wants us to be of a certain kind of character, that we are people that are swift to hear. We're swift to hear. My mom always told me this. Maybe yours did too. God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you listen twice as much as you talk. Anybody's mom ever said anything like that to him? To be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. But you know what? Through social media and all kinds of things right now, everybody's got a voice. And everybody thinks that their voice is just as important as everybody else's voice. And, that, and, and hardly, well, let's say, there are a whole lot of folks that are in our culture today, they are not swift to hear, but they're swift to do what? Speak. They're swift to speak. And look at the chaos, whether it be the media. I mean, the media is, they're chasing ambulances all over the place just so that they can be the swiftest to get the word out. You know what I'm talking about? And before... It may or may not even be correct. It doesn't matter. they got to be the first. And it's just nonsense. It's just, it just violates the principle of wisdom so much it's crazy. David said this, put a guard over my mouth. Help me watch what I'm saying. And James would say, don't just watch what you're saying. Say a whole lot less than what you're saying. That's one major change in the last 20 or 30 years. It used to make a difference that it was true. Exactly. Exactly. That's a, that's a great point. So he says, be swift to hear, slow to speak. And as you do that, it means that you're going to be slower to the temper part of the things. You know, because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. L let me tell you this. Say it like this, just plain English. You getting mad will never, ever produce what's right. It just don't. It just don't. The wrath of man, righteousness, just, just take that word righteousness and just take all the suffixes off of it and just, 
what the wrath of man, our anger, never produces the right thing. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. So once you start down that path, you got to, oh boy said, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, you really do. You got to check yourself. Because see, anger is going to come. It's going to come. Stuff's going to hit you in your spirit, and you just ain't going to like it. It's just nonsense. It's just lies or confusion or a bunch of bularkey. You know what I'm talking about? And bularkey is a Greek word that means uh, it, ain't, it ain't good. <laughs> Anger's going to come. But what we're, going to, we're going to be slow to get there. We're going to start. It's, it's just like all the stuff, the current events that's going on right now. You know, before the world even knew what happened, everything's out. I mean, I'll, I, I reserve all my comments until I know facts. I don't, I don't, I try not to even get involved. You won't see nothing posted on social media by me about any of this kind of stuff. I'm not going to do it. Because what will happen is 30 days later, I'm not saying about this situation, but others has happened in the past. 30 days later, somebody come back and say, say oh, yeah, well, this, this came back from the medical report or whatever. And this happened. And everybody else looks like a fool. You got all tangled up. And it would just be better for us to be swift to hear, to take in all the data. It's like when all this virus stuff, and Paul and I did a lot of talking on all this kind of stuff. We, we, just, we just don't have enough information to even, we're just confused, really, to be honest with you. We don't have enough information to even comment about some of the things. So we need to take in more data. That's what the hearing is about. Just take in more data. Just get more, more viewpoints, more data. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Wouldn't that be a good formula? To live by. <laughs> let's, let's go to the next one here. Just a couple more and we'll, we'll leave you with some devotional material for the next couple of days. Ephesians. Go over to Ephesians. Ephesians 4.26. And you kind of got to put piece all this stuff together. There's all kinds of scriptures in, in, in here and stories about anger. And, and we're just actually covering a, a small scotch of them, just a small sampling. But you've got to kind of piece it all together because some people, some, some letters and writings deal with the theory of it, some de deal with the practice of it. This is going to kind of deal with some more of the practice of, of what to do with your anger. 426 of Ephesians says this. It says, be angry and do not sin. Oh, help me with that, Lord. <laughs> Be angry. So there is an anger that, that is not necessarily sin. Doesn't that, doesn't that mean that? So there is a kind of anger that kind of stirs us up in one sense. Maybe stirs us up even to, to deal with something. Again, we could, we could cite Jesus in this. We call this kind of anger, we call it like righteous indignation. Have you ever heard that term? Is that righteous indignation? But you've got to be real careful with that because that can be justification that you're just mad. <laughs> you've got to be real careful with that. But there is an anger that doesn't lead to sin. We need to find out how to be that way. So, so let, me, let me tell you this. Here, here's maybe an example of how it could work. Let's say you are in conflict with somebody. That it, it, it's absolutely wrong what they've done. But you can, you can be angry and stew and you can go around and you can gossip. You can spread stuff. You can do whatever. Or you can strike back. You can be vengeful. You can do whatever. But what if that anger against that brother or against a family member or something of that nature, what if that anger motivated you and said, I'm so mad, I've got to go talk to them. 
And it motivates you to get in there and do what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 to where you go and you actually have a conversation and begin a dialogue that would begin to bring some kind of sensibility and healing into that situation or forgiveness. That would be a situation where anger didn't lead you to sin, but it led you to righteousness. It led you to the right thing. You see what I'm talking about? But you know, and I know, in, in the world I live in and the world you live in, that very rarely happens, doesn't it? Very rarely happens, okay? Here's some more prescription here for anger. It says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Somebody want to interpret that for me? Help me out. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. <laughs> yeah, don't go to bed mad. That's why a, a, a lot of folks have, have translated that. Don't go to bed mad. It, it's talking about don't let it keep stewing in you. Learn to keep short accounts. Learn to deal. Learn to go. Make peace. If at all if Paul would say, like, if at all possible, with everything that's within you, be at peace with all people. Now, he left that up. He, he knows that it's not always possible. But if we put the effort, you'll find out it's lots more possible than you probably thought. And I probably thought. Okay. Don't let the sun go down. Don't let it stew in you. Don't let it stew. This, that's a good marriage scripture right there, really. So you might stay up late some nights trying to work it out. <laughs> all right. Uh, or all night yeah you might not get you might have some sleepless nights on that deal <laughs> if we follow that prescription but the issue is hey get it worked out get it worked out get it worked out verse 27 well let's go back and read be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil somebody help me with that nor give place to the devil what, what do you what does that mean don't make the devil happy. Don't give in to him. And basically give him an opportunity, right? And give him, give him a foothold. In fact, that word place right there is, is, is the word foothold. It, it really means don't give him a, a foothold. Now, if I'm, if I'm in like, uh, if I'm trying to pick up or pull something heavy, I, I, need a, I need a strong foothold so that I can get the work done, right? That's the same idea. Don't give him a place to get his toe dug in the ground so that he can now go to work. You see what I'm talking about? Don't give place to the enemy. So there is a way that we can be angry and not sin. That, that's a real razor's edge, though, for us. So what we've got to do is learn to not give the enemy an opportunity to work. And we've all had him work on us a bunch. You know, he's stolen a lot from all of us. Let him who steal, who stole steal no longer. That's a good verse for today, ain't it? <laughs> but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, that's where I want. Let all bitterness... Wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. That's the idea of wanting to strike back, right? If you're malicious towards somebody, that means you, you're going to get back at them, right? So let all bitterness. How does bitterness get there? It's when the anger stays, right? It's when it stays and it stews. Bitterness comes to the heart. It changes a person's life. It changes a person's countenance. It changes a person's viewpoint. It, it just sours the whole deal, doesn't it? 
So, so let it all be put away from you, all right? And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That's a whole mouthful right there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So he's, he's telling us a little bit more how to deal with anger, all right? Now, there is a whole lot, lot here, but let's, we're just kind of planting these kind of like seeds. We'll have some more coming a little bit later. Colossians 3. <clears throat> Colossians 3, 8. Let's go there. Now, this is actually an empowering scripture concerning anger and some of our negative emotions and things that kind of roll around inside of us. Verse number eight, Colossians three. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, put it off. Wrath, put it off. Malice, put it off. Blasphemy, put it off. Filthy language out of your mouth, put it off. Okay, now he's he's going to talk about putting off things and then putting on a new thing, right? That's what he's he's dealing with right here. Now, if we, he he just lists a few. Anger, wrath, malice, and blasphemy, filthy language, okay? He says for you and I to put off these things, to put them off. What's, What's he talking about? Help me out. What, what kind of pictures do you see right here? Put off, put on. What kind of pictures do you see? Clean it up. Clean it up. I kind of see somebody like with, with clothes, like, like a wardrobe. You know, you, you, you're putting something, you take something off and you put something back on, right? You take off your work clothes, then you put on your bed clothes. Just, just, I, I kind of see that, this kind of image that kind of comes to me. What I want you to hear right here is that, that because of the dignity that God has given us as human beings, that we are not at the mercy of our anger, of our wrath, of our ill feelings, and all of our negative emotions. We don't have to be at the mercy of all those things. We can take charge of those things. And when it's not right and it's out of order, you have got to put it off. He helps us with that, doesn't he? Exactly. Well, Miss Janice said the Holy Spirit helps us with that because you know within yourself and your being that this is just absolutely not right. So that, that idea, the Holy Spirit will help us. And I, have, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed when these kind of emotions rise up within me, these kind of actions rise up within me. Um, Lord, help me. <laughs> and when I say that, that is not a, a Christian ease euphemism. That is for real. I, Lord, help me to get this off. Another way you could say it is help it to come out of me. You could say it that kind of thing too. Put it off. Okay, now, so, so we're not helpless in this whole deal dealing with our emotions. He says, do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds. So now there's, there's the other picture. You put off the old man. The old man, who's the old man for all of us? Who's the old man? That's the before Jesus guy, right? Before Jesus gal. That, that's who we were before we came to Christ. And so there is a tendency, if, if you read this, there's, there's, there's absolutely a possibility, let's say it like that, there's a possibility for you to be a Christian but still be acting like your old self. And that's where the change has to come. You can't act like your old self now. You've got to put that off. Right? Jesus does come and make us new people. Now we still struggle with things, but we're not powerless. We can put them off. 
We can put off that old filthy attitude, that old filthy mouth. I, I, I used to have a problem with that filthy language thing a lot. used to have that a lot. Uh, I got saved, and I still had that problem. Um, I, you know, I wish when I got saved that I just became a great person, a perfect person, and I didn't have to struggle with all that kind of stuff. But it was early on in my walk with the Lord, and I, I just had, my mouth just wouldn't clean up. I'd been in locker rooms and with ball players all my whole life, and, you know, that was just the language of the day. I mean, that's just what you did. That's how you communicated, you know. I mean, you didn't call anybody by their name. They had nicknames that weren't necessarily pleasant kind of things, you know what I mean? It was all that kind of stuff, and we, and we were just rough like that. Even as a Christian, I was rough like that as a new Christian. And then one day, I, I, I was really struggling. The Holy Spirit came, and he, he just was kind of saying, I needed to clean this up. It just didn't all be coming out of the same fountain, that kind of deal. And I was like, I can't. There's just no way. I mean, it's like a person trying to change an addiction. It's like, how in the world? What is life going to look like on the other side? What am, if I can't talk like that, how am I going to talk? You know, I'm, seriously. I mean, I, I was feeling that way. And then the Holy Spirit came, and he said, I want you to quit. Quit using those words. And he, he pointed out a few of them that I needed to quit. And I was, I was still struggling. I said, I, I can't. So I would, I would try, and then I would stumble. And I, I, I would say whatever, you know, especially if I got mad or something, you know. And then one day, the Holy Spirit brought to my attention that I never said those things in front of my mama. Well, for fear of retribution, you know, that woman was mean. <laughs> She never said thou shalt not. She just slapped us in the head, you know. She just, she just took care of us right then. And, and I dared not say some of the things that I said, you know, around all my buddies and all that kind of thing. And the Holy Spirit said, you think you're out of control. But if you can control it in her presence, you can control it all the time. And I don't know how he would deal with you. And he was like, okay, so I want you to quit it. And don't, don't quit it for her now. Quit it for me, and I'm always with you. He convinced me. And you know what he convinced me? Just going with this verse right here. He convinced me that I did have the power to put it off. Simply because he'd give it to me. I had the power to put it off. And through a whole process of transformation, those things became a part of my past. You know? You may have similar stories about other things that you've had to deal with. But he works on us like that, doesn't he? To help us to put off that old man. Huh. Uh, don't put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Boy, I'd love to go. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole New Testament right here, chapter 3. It is, it is absolutely wonderful. You see, we, we got power to put it off. But let me tell you, you can't put that off if you don't put him on. You can't do it. You can't do it in your own strength. So what you, it's not that you stop speaking filthy things. It's that now you start speaking kind things and you start speaking a whole different language, so to speak. You know what I'm talking about? You put... It just changes you. All right, let, let's, let's run through a couple of these Proverbs real quick. I would like for you to read tonight, but it won't, I'm afraid it won't pick up on the, on the Facebook thing. We might have some folks that's trying to join us. 
All right, Proverbs 12. Let's, let's just look at a couple of these. It's, it's a, Proverbs says a whole lot. You know, it, it deals with several character issues in Proverbs, but, but two of them that are really, really important are laziness. It deals with laziness and a lot in the Proverbs. And it also deals with anger a lot in the Proverbs. And all kinds of foolishness. 12, 12, 16. Let's just run through a couple of these before we go. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent or wise man covers shame. A fool's wrath is known. That sounds like James, what James would say, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That sounds like the opposite of it, doesn't it? A fool's wrath is known at once. If you make me mad, you'll know it. You heard people say that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> I do think one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Let's go to 14, 14, 17. Let's just take this little journey and get some of these seeds in us. 14, 17 says this, the Proverbs, A quick-tempered man or woman acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly. We, we know that, right? We know that. We, we, some of us have been that, right? If, if you're quick, what does it mean to be quick-tempered? What does that mean? Reactive? React quickly. React quickly. Usually in a bad, angry way, right? That kind of thing. And, and you don't stop. You, you, you run the wisdom stop sign. You just keep on going, don't you? A quick-tempered person. You, you've heard this idea. Don't mess with him. He's got a really short, what? Fuse. What does that mean? It don't take long for the dynamite to blow, does it? I mean, it's just a quick fuse. You've seen, all, we've always, we've seen the coyote and, and the roadrunner and all that kind of stuff, and, and he'll, he'll light the quick fuse, and boom, next thing you know, there's an explosion, right? That's the quick-tempered person, and they always act foolishly. Go to 29, verse 29. He has, who is slow to wrath... So it doesn't, doesn't mean he doesn't ever get angry, but he's just, he just slow to get there, just, just a little wiser to get there. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Hmm. Kind of goes along with some of James' thing again. All right, go to 15, 1 and 2. 15, 1 and 2 says, A soft answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath. What does that mean? Help me out. It diffuses the situation. What, what happens if anger hits anger when, in two people? And, and, and like in this situation, if violence meets violence, what happens? What happens? Is it, does it go away? It, it centrifuges, doesn't it? It, just, it, it? it gets stronger, actually. It spreads like, like a virus, you know? So, so this, this soft answer will actually diffuse, the, that's a good word, diffuse the situation. But a harsh word will stir up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Mm, we probably ought to keep going right there. We ought not stay there too long. Verse 18. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he is slow to anger, allies, allays contention. 
or he, he waters it down, he, he calms it down, okay? A wrathful man stirs up strife, just wants to be seen, just wants to be heard. Now, I think that's all I've got on my, my notes here. What, what's, the next, what's the next passage? 1632? 1632. We've got time for just a couple more. And those kids sound like they're having a good time in there. I'm glad of that. 1632. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Mm, that's a whole lot right there, isn't it? What's the next one? 1714. That sounds like a good year, don't it? 1714. The beginning of strife is like releasing water. Therefore, stop contention before a quarrel starts. Hmm. We got a dam just right below us. And once they start releasing just a little bit of that, guess what? There ain't no stopping it. He said that's where strife is. Strife is like opening up a dam. that You just absolutely can't control it. Next thing you know, you got a mess on your hands. And you got devastation and destruction in a family, in a relationship, in a church, whatever it might be. So it says, therefore, stop it before it starts. And that kind of seems like some of what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5, is let's go take care of this thing before it gets like a rushing mighty river that absolutely can't be stopped. And I'm afraid we've all probably been a part, or, or at least a witness to a conflict that it was so out of control, it just didn't take any, I mean, they wouldn't listen to nothing at that point. It's kind of what we got going on in our land right now. It's like a rushing river through our cities. It's just madness. What's the next one? We only got a few more. What's the next one? 1911, another good year. All right, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. I believe Jesus would use the word forgive right there. A wise man would forgive a transgression. What's the next? 1919. Another good year. Terry, were you alive then? <laughs> a man of great wrath will suffer punishment. For if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. Anybody need an explanation on that one? And we're just going to keep, keep falling into trouble. And, and we've got, we got a couple more, right? Well, 22, 24? 22, 24, and 25? I, I think I just want to stop right here on this one. I think this is where I want to hang my hat. This, I'm trying to get to this one. 22, 24, and 25 of Proverbs. It says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Hmm. Isn't there another one right here close by? Is there another one in 24? 25, 28. 25, 28. Let's go to that one real quick. I, I think there may be another one I want to look at. It's just us here tonight, so we're good, right? Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. 
You see the picture? So in the days this was written, one of the most important things a city could have would be a fortress, right? A fortress wall. That was the strongest defense. And if that wall's broken down or has a breach in it somewhere, then what, what does that mean for the enemy? He can just come in at will and pilfer, kill, destroy, do whatever. And it says right here, if you don't have any rule over your own spirit, then you're like that city that's without walls. And guess what? Any old thing can come, stir you up. Any old enemy can come, boom, right in. Stir you up any old given time, and there will be no peace for you. And it'll cost you everything you got. So rule over your own spirit. Now here, here's how you know if you have rule over your own spirit or not. Is if you can control this. This little thing right here that gets us all in trouble. That messes everything up. If you can control your tongue, you know you got charge over your spirit. That's, that's one of the ways. You see what I'm talking about? All right. How many more we got before we... <laughs> 27? All right, let's see. I like these little pictures here. Three and four of 27. It says this, A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Isn't that a neat picture? <laughs> wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? What was the next one? 29, 8, and 9. 29, 8, and 9. I appreciate y'all helping me out a little bit. 29, 8, and 9. It says, scoffers set a city aflame. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Help us, Lord. Scoffers set a city aflame, but wise men turn away wrath. We're seeing that in action right now, aren't we? If a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. What's the next one? Verse 22. 22 says, An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. Sin just keeps coming. What's next? 30, 33. For as the churning of milk produces butter, a ringing the nose and ringing the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. You got a couple pictures right there, right? Some of y'all may remember Grandma churning that butter. Mine, mine did some. Y'all remember that? You seen that that butter churn just bouncing that thing up and down until it until it turned, you know. And the ringing of the nose produces blood. You, you make your nose bloody. So the forcing of wrath produces strife. We're seeing some of that going on right now too. What's next? A couple Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Do not hasten, 7-9 of Ecclesiastes. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. For anger rests in the bosom of fools. Is that the last of it? That's the last one. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. It'll make you a fool, right? 
I just wanted to see some of that because I, I kind of needed help. I needed that, those therapy scriptures tonight. <laughs> I really have. I mean, I've, I've really struggled with a lot of things. Um, Sandy and I have talked about a lot of things. We've been able to, to kind of vent and keep it between the two of us about certain things going on in our world and our personal world, also the world around us and all that kind of thing. And, and it, it just helps me. I, I have to get in here and I have to read these scriptures. That's actually one of my lists. That's one of my personal lists I gave you. I go and I, I just, I got to take this medicine sometimes. I got to remind myself how foolish that old man can be sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? And I have to check myself. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to bring you into check. I just want you to hear some, some scripture on it just to say, hey, Lord, Lord, help us with this. Because we've we got a lot of stuff going on and, and most of it's out of our control. Um, so how do you deal? How do you deal with this kind of thing? 